What's going on, party people? I am your host, Stephen Bagel, and this is Sports Ethos' very own The Bird Rice Podcast. I do apologize. I know I haven't put out content in the last few weeks, but as you guys know from what I've been talking about and from my other podcasts that I've done for a few years, the NBA Bowl, I do do a mock trade deadline every year. And, you know, it is trade season. The trade deadline is February 10th, so it's less than a month away. And this year, I actually have some guys helping me out with it. I have 14 other guys, so 15 people in total, including myself, each representing two teams. Um, Sports Ethos is helping me out. I'm going to be releasing podcasts on it, an article on it. I'm very excited for, you know, to see. I consider my firstborn child, and I'm seeing that expand. So... That's why, you know, i kind of been MIA the last few weeks. Um, I don't want to spoil too much. I want you guys to, you know, hear about it on the podcast and the article and, you know, learn and process it that way. So I'm not going to be talking too much about it. I just, I just want to put that caveat out there that that's why I haven't been, you know, putting out content weekly. I know about people that have certain clauses what in their contract. What happens next year with Giannis Antetokounmpo? He will be eligible for a Supermax next summer. If he resigns, the new reality is the players are going to move around, and the players are, are, are not going to want to spend their whole money in a life. And because they didn't want to go into the penalty of the luxury tax, they traded James Harden. Somebody's going to be making fifty million dollars a year. He probably could have made a little bit more money this summer in free I agency. I think he could have got a lot more in the offseason. Uh-huh. You got a chance to secure the bag. You got to it, No question. So before we get started, as I said, this is a Sports Ethos podcast. So listeners, please take a moment to follow at EthosFantasyBK on Twitter. It is the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on Earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster on the competition and provides more analysis too. Again, that's at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Please follow now. Okay, so what I want to talk about today, as I said, it is trade season. We saw the first, I don't want to say big trade, but first modestly big trade happen in the NBA with um, Cam Radish being traded to the New York Knicks. Um, I think it was the worst kept secret in the NBA that Cam Reddish was going to be on the move this year, and I'm going to get into that. But basically what I have is I have actually 11 names. I was going to do 10, and then Cam Reddish already got traded, so I added an 11th guy in. 10 guys I think that we could reasonably, reasonably expect to be on the move this year at the trade deadline, and I'm going to talk about, you know, the value they have on the trade market, what we could expect for them, maybe some teams that they could be traded to. Everything like that. So, without any further ado, let's get started. Real quick, before we get into the show, we have a brand new daily fantasy partner at Sports Ethos, Thrive Fantasy. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy on the mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com. Use code ETHOS when you sign up to get a 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit to 100 bucks, plus either two or four free game tickets to play. Pick player props on the biggest names, playing every night, score points when your props hit, and the players with the most points win a share of the nightly prize money. And check out our Sports sports Ethos DFS team or podcast for advice on winners. Again, that is code ethos over at thrivefantasy.com. Okay, so before we get started on these 10 names I have written down, let's just quickly talk about the Cam Register next trade. 
Um, for those of you who are active listeners of my work and my contents, you know that I've been bashing the Knicks offseason ever since it happened. I thought Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier were terrible fits in a fib system. I felt like, okay, the Knicks, for years, their whole thing was save cap space until a star becomes available and then throw the cap space at that star to pair, you know, with Julius Randle or whoever, RJ Barrett, whoever else they might have. They finally show, after years of incompetence, that, okay, with Tibbs, with World Wide West, with Leon Rose, maybe, you know, they finally found the formula for success and they appear to be competent and maybe a star will finally actually go there. So instead of retaining that cast space when they might actually be able to land a star, they instead wasted all the cast space on the Alec Burkses and the Derek Roses and the Knowns Noels. And now, you know, they, they don't have that cast space. And... Not only that, I don't love the fits of the guys that they signed, the Evan Fournier, the Kemba Walker. It just, it didn't make sense to me. So I've been a big proponent of, okay, the Knicks were kind of a disaster. As you see now, they are 21 and 21, so they're not having quite the success. I thought last year was a fluke, but I wasn't certain just because, you know, it's a Tibbs coach team and the discipline, the defense, the guys buying in. I thought maybe, you know, they could repeat and have home court advantage again. But, you know, the Heat got better. You figure the Hawks were going to be better than them this year after last year's run, and the Hawks right now were a disaster. So anyway, I don't know. I just, I, I wasn't sold. And clearly the Knicks were on the court that they have, and they shouldn't have been. But I think, you know, trading for Kane Medishad remedied this entire situation. From the Hawks' perspective, I really think they could have definitely gotten more. I mean... Cam Reddish, I think they could have got a lottery pick for. But instead, they traded him for a top 18 protected Hornets pick this year, which maybe it'll convey next year. I envision it conveying next year in 2023. And 2023 actually is a pretty loaded draft class with, you know, Victor Wambayama, Imani Bates, Scooter Henderson, the Thompson Twins from Overtime Elite. I'm not sure how deep the draft class is that outside the lottery, you're really going to be able to hit a home run. But I know the top of the draft is extremely strong. So, um, Derek Whitehead, again, I don't want to leave anybody out, but yes, what I'm trying to say is 2023 will be a good draft class. Much better than this year, probably better than last year. Anyway, it's, I believe, lottery protected till 2025 where it becomes two seconds. So you would imagine the Hornets with LaMelo Ball and how young they are that they do make the playoffs in the next five years, so the pick does eventually convey. But I really thought the Hawks could get more. I get the idea of getting a Guy ranked from fifth, drafted 15 to 20 on a four-year rookie deal. That's, of course, valuable. Cam Reddish, we knew they couldn't pay. They just paid Trey Young. They just paid John Collins. They just signed Clint Capella to an extension. They paid Kevin Herter. Next summer, they're going to have to extend. Well, they don't have to, but most likely they're going to extend DeAndre Hunter. And then, you know, what do they do with Onyeka Kongo at that point? Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich got paid. Um... Gallo will be coming off the books. But I say that because basically they couldn't really pay Cam Reddish as well. So getting a guy for four years on a rookie deal is a good alternative. I just did think they could get more. For the Knicks' perspective, you know, Cam Reddish might end up being the best prospect on that team. I'm not putting him ahead of RJ Barrett yet, but I could envision, you know, the Knicks eventually having not a big three, but maybe a medium three of Julius Randle, RJ Barrett, and Cam Reddish in two years. If you squint hard enough, maybe that's something that, you know, gets Knicks fans excited. The Knicks can extend Cam Reddish. 
I I believe Ian Baglia was the next reporter, the next speed writer. He reported he expects KMH to get about fifteen to twenty million dollar year extension, which is about the range I had. I think Vettish will get about four years, sixty million dollars. If I had to guess, four years, sixty five million, somewhere within that range. And obviously, the Hawks can give that to him. But I do think you know, getting Cam Reddish did remedy the situation a lot for the Knicks, um, considering how big of a disaster I personally thought their offseason was. This definitely, you know, um, alleviated some of those concerns. Kevin Knox, hopefully, you know, he was just Sally Fuller in this trade, but hopefully they are able to not revitalize him. I don't think Kevin Knox is much of an NBA player, but, you know, he definitely needed to change the scenery. So we'll have to see how that plays out with him. But, okay. So here's my 10 guys. I'm going to go in order based off, I think, I don't want to say trade value or likeliness to get traded, but, you know, just the biggest names out there. So my first one is obviously Ben Simmons. Needless to be said, obviously, you know, he's a major candidate to be traded at the trade deadline. I'm not even so sure that he will be. I mean, Daryl Morey clearly is holding out to get an all-star to pair with Joel Embiid at this point, and that all-star hasn't become available. There's been reports that they were offered C.J. McCollum, Anthony Simons, a first-round pick. They said no. There's now been reports that they talked to Atlanta, where Atlanta would be taking on Tobias Harris as well as Ben Simmons, so Sixers got off that contract, so they could sign James Harden this summer. There was speculation about they talked two days ago with the Kings for De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald, and the Kings would take on Tobias Harris. Sure, that's great, getting up to buy Harris's contract, but sure, if you have assurance from Daryl Morey that James Harden is going to sign there this summer, then yes, I agree on opening up the cap space in order to get off of Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons to open up that cap space in order to sign James Harden, and that's your second star with Joel Embiid, plus whatever you are able to get, whether it's like a Tyrese Halliburton type guy from the Kings, whatever it may be. But I think if they're going to do an Atlanta trade or Sacramento trade, they're definitely going to need a third team involved. It's been reported De'Aaron Fox, the Sixers don't have too much interest in him because he's too repetitive with Tyrese Maxey. I don't love the John Collins fit next to Embiid. I definitely don't love the DeMontis Sabonis fit next to Joel Embiid if, you know, Ben were to go to, like, Indiana or someone. So I'm not so sure Ben ends up getting traded by the deadline. Now, I will spoil something in my mock trade deadline. We did have a Ben Simmons trade go down already. We still have two more weeks before anything is finalized, but Ben Simmons was, in fact, traded. But I'm not so sure. Damian Lillard might be out for the season now. So Portland is in a weird spot where I don't know what they're going to want to do. Maybe if they get a top-five pick, that'll convince them more to rebuild and trade Dame. Bradley Beal is going to be a free agent this summer, assuming he helps out his player option, which I think is almost a guarantee. So then, you know, does Washington look at secretly look at him at the trade deadline, afraid that he's going to walk? I'm not sure, but if I had to put a percentage on Benson's being traded by the deadline, I would put it at probably 40%. Woj reported the other day that he thinks it's going to go into the 2022 NBA draft, the Ben Simmons saga. But I think eventually, you know, Adam Silver might have to step in and get involved and, you know, force the Sixers to make a move, which isn't ideal because the last time Adam Silver, again, everyone knows I'm a Sixers fan, so this is a little bias going in there. Adam Silver forced us to fire Sam Hinkie. Sam Hinkie ended up resigning, and he forced Brian Colangelo, or he forced Jerry Colangelo on us, who ended up hiring Brian Colangelo, and we know what happened with that. That was a complete disaster, that whole regime. So, 
Yeah, Ben Simmons, not sure going to be traded at the deadline, but he's obviously a candidate that we need to look out for. Number two on my list I have is Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant, obviously, it's not a secret that the Pistons are rebuilding. Grant, you know, he's an asset for them that they could move. Given that he is this year and next year, I know Grant's been out the last month with um, he got thumb surgery and he's going to be out for another about two to three weeks. But he'll be back before the deadline. He'll be able to help a contender. And not only this, but he's under contract next year as well. So what's Jeremy Grant with the year and a half left on his deal worth? I think he's probably worth two first-round picks. Um, yeah, in my mock trade deadline, I was trying to get him to go to Atlanta where, again, this is moot now, but I was trying to get him to go to Atlanta for Cam Reddish and like a Bogdan Bogdanovich, maybe flip Bogdan to the Lakers for Taylor Horton Tucker. I think Taylor Horton Tucker and Cam Reddish to Atlanta would have been a home run for Detroit, getting those two cost-controlled young guys, both 22 and under, under contract, I think that would have been a home run for Detroit. But I think Jeremy Grant conceivably could get net Detroit two first-round picks. So if a team like Atlanta, or let's even say a Memphis, I think Atlanta and Memphis are the two sneakiest teams to look at at the deadline, just because of how deep they are. They both have all their own picks. They're both kind of in win now. Atlanta, I know they went to the conference finals last year, and right now they're like five or six games under 500. But Memphis, you know, they're rolling. They've won 11, 12 in a row. They're number three in the West. They're rock stars. So I think those are the two teams, given how deep they are, given they have all their own picks. I think those are the two teams to look out for in Jeremy Grants. They both have salaries they could match in order to get him. They both have young pieces they can trade. So, yeah, I want to say something along the lines of, like, Bogdan Bogdanovich and two first for Jeremy Grant, or... Gallinari and two firsts for Jeremy Grant, given that his contract's, I think, only five or six mil guaranteed next year, so Detroit gets off the majority of the money, if assuming they waive him. Memphis, maybe they throw a Brandon Clark in there with salary filler and a first or two in order to get Jeremy Grant. I think something like that would be realistic, but Jeremy Grant, I think, is definitely on the move. I think it makes sense. I mean, he doesn't fit Detroit's timeline, and he's definitely a player that helps a contender more than a rebuilder. I know Jeremy Grant went there because of the whole black history with Detroit. He wanted to play for a black coach and a black GM and Dwayne Casey and Troy Weaver. So maybe Jeremy Grant is happy there. I'm not saying he's not. But it's just it it would it would be in Detroit's best interest as a rebuilding team in order to trade Jeremy Grant. And get those assets because he's definitely worth at least two first round picks or a first round pick and a good young guy, something like that. Maybe Boston would go after him give a first-round pick, and, like, Romeo Langford and Aaron Neesmith. Maybe they'll need to give a second-rounder because neither of those guys have proven to be much in the NBA. But I, I'm just saying something like that for Jeremy Grant. Before we continue with my third guy, I just want to wish everybody, I know the holidays are a little belated at this point, but happy holidays to all our listeners. Tis a season of giving, but stop giving your personal information to your ISP. On top of overcharging, your ISP is allowed to legally sell your browsing history to third-party advertisers for a ton of cash. Take your privacy back with ExpressVPN. Head to our special promotional link at expressvpn.com backslash hoopball. Yes, they still have the old name of hoopball. To get three bonus months on a 12-month subscription. It's super easy to use. Turning it on just takes one click and it works great with streaming services like Netflix or sports packages like League Pass 2. Once more, that is expressvpn.com backslash hoopball. Grab those three bonus months now. 
So the next player on my list I want to talk about is Miles Turner. Now, Miles Turner has been in trade conversations for probably about two to three years now. There was speculation he was going to go to Boston in a Gordon Hayward sign-in trade, along with like a TJ Warren type. But Danny Age didn't pull the trigger because he wanted Victor Oladipo and Miles Turner, which obviously never came to fruition. Gordon Hayward ended up going to the Hornets instead and ended up not making it to Indiana. Or, excuse me, ended up not making it to Boston. But at this point, you know, Shams has reported, The Athletic has reported, Indiana, they want to do not a full-blown rebuild. They do have Rick Carlisle as a coach. He is a win-now coach. He doesn't really want to oversee a rebuild. But, you know, Miles Turner is in that realm of guys most likely to be traded. If you had to, maybe they do trade Turner answer bonus because he gets such good offers that Indiana can refuse. But I think Turner, I think Levert, I think Sabonis all could be on the move. I think Turner and Levert are definitely on the move, though. I think those are two guys guaranteed to be on the move. For Miles Turner, the two things that come, to, or the two teams that come to mind seem to be easy ones. Charlotte, they desperately need a center. And Charlotte is, you know, a young, up and coming team. They have young guys they could give but they desperately need to send or Mason Plumlee clearly isn't it. And then the other team that comes to mind is the Golden State Warriors. But the question with Golden State is, will they part with James Wiseman? Will they part with like a Moses Moody or Jonathan Kaminga? Or, you know, they could conceivably do Kevon Looney, James Wiseman, and that might be it. They might not even need to include a first, depending how Indiana values James Wiseman. With that said... I'm not sure Golden State's in a position to trade for a center, given how much small ball they play. But Turner would be, you know, he would be a great fit. Imagine him and Draymond Green defending the rim together. Draymond could, you know, play a little bit more on the perimeter. And then you have Miles Turner protecting the rim. Klay Thompson's back. He was a great 3 and D guy prior injury. I, I haven't gauged much with Klay Thompson his first two games back with, you know, his lateral quickness, how good he is on defense. But... If he's even half of what he was, that's another great defender to pair with Turner and Draymond Green. So, yeah, those are the two teams. Maybe a Boston would trade like a Time Lord and a first for Miles Turner. Uh, those are teams I'm looking at, but Miles Turner, he could really fit almost anywhere alongside, or not alongside another big, but any team that really could use an upgraded center. But those two teams, Charlotte and Golden State, are really the two teams I'm looking at. I think it's now that Cam Nets trade, and now I think it's the worst-kept secret in the NBA that Charlotte is going to make a move for a big man. And the next man I have on my list is Christian Wood. I think that would be another great fit for Charlotte. I think that would be a great fit for Golden State. So Christian Wood, I think he's in the same boat as Miles Turner as Houston is clearly rebuilding. Christian Wood has another youngest deal after this year. So similar to Jeremy Grant, I think he could go for like two first-round picks because he could really help a contender or a first-round pick and a young guy. So let's let's just talk about Charlotte for a minute to go after either Miles Turner or Christian Wood. I would first you could throw in either Ubre or you could throw in Plumley. I think if they're gonna be a big man, they'd rather throw in Plumley. Nick Richards has proven to be an okay backup. But then the issue is the backup center is PJ Washington. I think PJ Washington might have to go in a trade for Christian Wood or Miles Turner, unless they decide to part with James Booknight. So here's what I envision. I envision uh, Plumley plus Booknight or Washington, one of those two young guys, plus a first-round pick. So my question is, is Kai Jones ready to play? Because I love Kai Jones. I had him like number six on my big board this year. But is he going to be ready? Because if they trade Plumley and they trade Washington, 
they're not they're gonna have to rely heavily on Nick Richards and then Vernon Carey or Kai Jones are gonna have to step up to be the third guy when they need it. So that's the question. Um maybe they could conceivably convince a team to take Kai Jones rather than Book Knight or PJ Washington. That would really be a home would really be a home run for Charlotte, even though I do like Kai Jones, but being able to keep Book Knight and P.J. Washington, but P.J. Washington is similar how I was talking about Atlanta won't be able to pay Cam Reddish. I don't think Charlotte's going to be able to pay P.J. Washington, so the writing's probably on the wall for him to be traded. They're going to have to extend, or they're going to have to re-sign Miles Bridges with the restricted rights this year. They just extended Rozier. They have Gordon Hayward under contract for a few more years, and then, you know, after that, they're going to have to eventually start thinking about paying LaMelo Ball, potentially a super max rookie extension, assuming he makes an all-NBA team in the next three years, which or next two years, which is conceivable. So Charlotte, I just, I don't, I don't know if PJ Washington's their long-term. I, there's always a possibility when he's restricted that you could just do a signing trade when he's a free agent and exhaust the full rookie deal out of him. But to get a guy like Miles Turner or Christian Wood, I do like Turner more. They both have, they're both the same kind of player, both like three and D centers, but Turner's probably a better shooter and he's definitely a better rim protector. So, and he's, more experience, you know what he is, you know he could be a strong center on playoff team. Christian Wood has been able to put up empty stats on a bad team. Now, I do like Christian Wood as a player, but he's not as he's not as of sure of a thing as Miles Turner is. So here's another team I think could potentially trade for either one of those guys. And this player will come at the expense of it. And so Lakers and Taylor Horton Tucker. Now, Taylor Horton Tucker hasn't fit in great with the Lakers are doing because he hasn't been able to shoot the ball that well. I think he is a better shooter than what his numbers show. But basically, the Lakers have three guys on max deals, and we know who those three guys are, AD, Westbrook, and LeBron. And then after that, they have, I think, 10 guys on minimum contracts. So then that leaves Kendrick Nunn and Taylor Horton Tucker as the two guys that make more than the minimum and less than a max, which we've never seen a roster constructed like this ever in the NBA with two guys making between a minimum and a max contract and no in between. So Taylor Horton Tucker, you have to put on this list just because you think if the Lakers want to upgrade, it's going to come to the expense of him because, and probably Kendrick, not I'll just lump those guys together because those are going to be the guys you have to combine to salary match anything. So Taylor Horton Tucker, he hasn't been a great fit. I know he's only 20, so Lakers wanted to keep him as an asset. But if you want to cash in on that asset and get like a milestone, you'd have to do it now. Now, I think it'd be wiser for the Lakers to go after like a Jeremy Grant rather than a Miles Turner because I think they're best playing AD at the five. And they've been playing LeBron at the five recently with AD out and it's been working. So I wouldn't exhaust options in a center at this point. When you're playing a team like Golden State, you might have to go small anyway. And by small, I mean playing Anthony Davis at the five as opposed to, you know, playing DeAndre Jordan or Dwight Howard alongside Anthony Davis and playing Super Jumbo. So... I don't think, you know, trading for a center, don't get me wrong, Miles Turner would definitely help the Lakers. That defense would be great. Uh, Frank Vogel coached offense with Anthony Davis and Miles Turner. But I think, you know, Jeremy Grant would be a better fit if, you know, the Lakers could cobble something together. Like, the Lakers could trade their 2026 and 2028 first. So maybe you do Horton Tucker and one of Horton Tucker, Kendrick Nunn, and one of those picks. Maybe you have to throw in like Austin Reeves too, who's I believe, under contract this year and next year for less than a million dollars. A lot of people are comparing him to what the Lakers did with Alex Caruso, finding an undrafted guy and, you know, hitting a home run with him. So 
maybe the Lakers do something like that, but I put Horton Tucker on this list just because it'll be impossible for the Lakers to really get a significant upgrade without including him and probably Kendrick Nunn in any deal. Okay, number six on my list is a guy who might not be traded at this deadline because he does have one more year on his deal and teams might be more excited about him as an expiring contract as opposed to a two-year guy, but that's Terrence Ross. Now, Ross is the only piece the Magic didn't trade when they tore it down to the studs last year at the deadline. We saw them trade Fournier, we saw them trade Aaron Gordon, we saw them trade Vucevic. But Terrence Ross is still there. He has this year and next year on his deal, as I said, and I don't know. I just, I don't see a team that, again, he's a wing and every team could use an extra wing, but I think it's more realistic that he stays past the deadline and they trade him sometime next year. Well, that's in this offseason or at the deadline, but I feel like he's been good, but he's definitely more appealing as an expiring contract. But who knows? I mean, do the Lakers make a run after him? And he's a better fit than Taylor Horton Tucker, but I feel like for a 20-year-old Taylor Horton Tucker on a cost, cost-efficient, team-friendly deal, you could get more than Terrence Ross. But that trade makes sense. Um, I'm trying to think of another team that could use him. Maybe like a Boston, if they think he's an upgrade to Josh Richardson, which he probably is at this point, but I don't think that's significant of an upgrade that Boston would give like a first round pick on top of him. And that's what Orlando's going to want. Orlando's going to want... Actually, let me recant that. Boston, I would imagine, will want a first round pick for Ross, but given they traded Evan Fournier for two seconds last year, I'm not so sure. But Fournier was different because Fournier went into a trade exception. They didn't have to salary match him. So to get off $17 million and not take any contracts back, in addition to getting two second-round picks, might be equivalent to like a late first-round pick is what they probably would get anyway. So, yeah. So maybe a first, maybe two seconds. But Terrence Ross, I definitely think, could be on the move. But I don't think he will be. The next guy I have on my list is Dennis Schroeder. The Celtics clearly need a playmaker. He's not hes not a true point guard by any means, but he's the closest thing to a true point guard that the Celtics have. Marcus Smart isn't exactly a great playmaker. He doesn't have a great... He has a good IQ. He doesn't have a great IQ for like an elite point guard. And, you know, he doesn't have that court vision that most point guards have. So they definitely need a playmaker. So Schroeder would be beneficial to them. But the issue is Schroeder, they signed with their mid-level exception on a one-year deal this summer, they don't have his bird rights. So given that they're currently a luxury tax team and they'll definitely be over the cap next year, they're going to have to dip into the mid-level exception, either the tax payroll mid-level, depending on what they do this deadline, and see how close they get out of the tax next year. But it's looking like they're going to have to just give Schroeder what they gave him last year, and that's the tax payroll mid-level. Schroeder's definitely worth more than that. So what I'm trying to say is that He's going to most likely have to walk this summer. The Celtics don't really have a reasonable way of keeping him. So why not trade him at the deadline, get something? Celtics are trying to compete this year, but they're currently four games under 500. They're currently at the play-in. It would be wise to trade Schroeder, get an asset for him. And then, you know, um, they're not going to have Schroeder next year regardless. So cut the losses, get an asset for him, move on. I I know they need him. But if they're not going to, you know, be a title contender this year, it just makes sense to move him rather than lose him for nothing, which is a sentiment with the next guy I'm about to talk about. 
And that's Colin Sexton of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, Sexton is a restricted free agent. So Cleveland, you, Cleveland, going into this year, Cleveland's another team that I said had the worst offseason I have ever seen. And I will admit when I'm wrong. I still don't believe it. It reminds me of last year's Knicks team in the aspect of, yeah, maybe they get a four seed and get home field advantage and then lose in the first round of the playoffs when, you know, you could get exposed. I'm not buying this Cleveland team. They signed J.B. Bickerstaff to an extension who I think's an air coach. I think he's okay. I don't think he's anything special. So whatever. You have an okay, you know, borderline top 20 coach in the league, whatever. You sign him to an extension. But signing Kobe Allman to an extension looks rough. I mean, I hated the Laurie Markkinen extension. Or not the extension, but the signing trade they did for him. Giving up Larry Nance, who I think is about to play over Laurie Markkinen. And, you know, Nance was even cheaper than Markkinen was. I basically said Cleveland's going to be the most expensive tax-paying team. The worst tax-paying team in NBA history. Because they were projected to be like the 12 or 13 seed in the West, maybe only Detroit and Orlando are going to be worse than them, but they really proved that to be wrong. Now, I'm not buying what, they, what they're doing long-term. I do like Darius Garland and Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Garland and Allen both are borderline all-stars this year, and Mobley's the favorite to win Rookie of the Year right now. So maybe it's more sustainable than what the Knicks did, but I'm not fully buying it. So anyway, Dennis, not Dennis Schroeder, Colin Sexton, they're going to have to give Garland an extension. They gave Allen an extension. They're going to have to, at some point, give Mobley an extension. I know that's way in the future. I know Mobley's only in his rookie year. But they signed Markin in. They have Kevin Love's contract on the books next year. So it's just, they're going to get expensive so quickly. Similar to what I said about Atlanta. Similar to what I said about Charlotte. How much can they reasonably pay Sexton? And that's why there was a lot of speculation this summer that they were going to trade him. My favorite trade for Colin Sexton was Colin Sexton to the Knicks for Obi Toppin. Maybe that's still on the table, but the Cavs, since they got marketing, really don't need more big men, so I don't love that trade. What I do like is maybe they trade him to, like, I don't know, OKC. OKC is one of three teams that have cap space this summer, so they could always wait and just do a signing trade for him. Everyone knows the treasure trove of picks that OKC has, Maybe they trade one of them to get context. They're, they're, not, they're not making 35 picks in next day drafts. At some point, they're going to consolidate. So do they trade a first and like a Lou Dort for Colin Sexton? They have the cast base to sign Sexton outbreaks. But do they do a signing trade, something like that? Or do they do something like that at the deadline and then just sign Sexton, re-sign him, or match whatever deal he gets at the trade deadline? But there's only three teams, I believe, with cast space. And that's Orlando, Detroit and OKC, if I'm not mistaken. I believe San Antonio might be able to get there as well, but those are really Sexton's only... And San Antonio, or San Antonio, I believe, is there. So, San Antonio doesn't need another guard. Orlando definitely doesn't need another guard. OKC doesn't really need another guard, but I could see it playing Giddy at the three, even the four, given his height and playing him at the point forward. OKC's had a lot of success with the three-goal lines with Dort, SGA, and Giddy. Given, you know, they're a rebuilding team, I'm saying they have a lot of success, but obviously they don't win many games. But I could see, I really like the fit of Sexton to OKC. I like the fit of him and SGA next to each other. So maybe that's something we look at. But any team, since teams don't have cash space, 
They might be willing to trade for Sexton now while he's on a rookie deal. You'll need to match him for like $7 million. And then you could sign him with his restricted rights and match whatever deal he gets. So that's a sentiment on trade for Colin Sexton. Given he's out for the year and Cleveland knows they probably can't pay him, I think it would be wise to get something for him unless Cleveland is okay and Dan Gilbert is okay paying the tax. But, you know, Dan Gilbert is not the sharpest owner in the NBA and everyone knows that. So that's a sentiment on trading Colin Sexton. Given he's out for the year, he's not going to have to be, a team's not going to require him to take a physical. They know, okay, we're trading for him for next year and that'll be that. So I like the idea of Sexton being on the move. Number nine I have is Marvin Bagley. I have no idea why the hell he's still in Sacramento. Um, They said to start the year he wasn't going to be in the rotation. Now he is, given, you know, that he's still on the team. But if if they knew he wasn't going to start the year in the rotation, I don't know why they wanted to cut the losses and trade him for whatever asset they could get, even if that's a second-round pick or two. But they're not going to re-sign him. At least I can't imagine they will. So why not get something for him? I mean, I just, Sacramento, we always, we know is an incompetent franchise, but they did say, it was reported yesterday by Mark Stein that Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald are likely on the move, that De'Aaron Fox has been talked in trade negotiations, so maybe Sacramento is finally blowing up, so maybe Bagley will be traded after the deadline, and he quite frankly should be. It was speculated earlier in the year that they were going to, that Detroit had a lot of interest in Bagley, so I was thinking something like Josh Jackson and Hamidou Diallo for Marvin Bagley. But with everything going on with COVID and Detroit having so many guys miss time, Diallo has been awesome. So I'm not so sure that they're going to want to trade Diallo to get Bagley. Now, they could definitely use a big man alongside Isaiah Stewart or a guy to back up Isaiah Stewart. So maybe Detroit's interested, but if I'm Detroit, I might just say, hey, I could offer Bagley something this summer that the Kings won't be able to match or won't want to match. And, you know, keep Diallo. But I don't know. I'm not sure that that's a wise move of your cap space. I don't think it is a wise move of your cap space. So that's that's a tra- another trade that I was speculating in my mock trade deadline that I could see happening. But I'm not so sure. Okay. The last guy I have on my list is Dante DiVincenzo of the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, he's only played in a handful of games this year due to injury. I'm thinking that he is going to, you know, end up being traded at the deadline. They've been, he's fallen out of the rotation, not fallen out of the rotation, but he's fallen out of the starting lineup in favor of Grayson Allen. I'm not sure if that's permanent, but it has been so far. And, you know, the Bucks, unless they want to trade Jordan Nuala, they didn't really have another asset to trade to get upgrades. So maybe they package Pat Connaughton and DiVincenzo in order to upgrade on the wing. Maybe that's where Terrence Ross goes and Orlando will take a guy like DiVincenzo. But I'm not sure. But I I don't know, given that they gave, that the Bucks gave Grayson Allen a rookie extension after trading for him. That seems to be the writing on the wall. We already saw DiVincenzo get traded in the Bogdan Bogdanovich deal where, you know, they were found for tampering and Bogdanovich ended up not being able to go to Milwaukee. But we already saw DiVincenzo be traded once. So that already alone should leave the writing on the wall that if they could get an upgrade for him, they will. So that's another guy that I could definitely envision getting traded that I think will get traded. Similar to Tan Hortitaka for the Lakers, the Bucks don't really have a whole lot of guys that could salary match. And DiVincenzo are making like $4 million as opposed to Hortitaka's $9 million. 
So that's why I package Pat Connaughton with him. That gets them to about eleven to twelve million dollar player that they could trade for. Terrence Ross fits beautifully in that. So before we sign off, I just want to quickly um, remind you guys to use coupon code Hoopball twenty at Manscaped.com for twenty percent off your order and free shipping. And also check out our pals in MyBookie.ag. Use code Hoopball on the third page of sign up to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. So. Thank you guys for listening. I'm so excited. I have two more weeks of the mock trade deadline. And quite frankly, I can't speak to the other 14 owners involved. I know a lot of people are taking it seriously. I know some people are taking it more seriously than others, just like anything else. Obviously, it's hard to keep all 15 people engaged when it's just a fake thing. But I'm personally having the time of my life. I can't speak for everybody. I know a lot of guys are telling me they really are enjoying it. But it's been awesome. So I just want to thank Sports Ethos for giving me this opportunity for, you know, letting me do this and giving me a platform to do it on. So thanks to them. Thanks to you guys for listening. I would be nowhere without any of my listeners or my subscribers or my Twitter following. You could follow me on Twitter at BirdRightsPod. You could follow my other podcast on Twitter at the underscore NBA goal. That's N-B-A-G-E-L-L. You could follow me on Twitter on both. Rate and review both podcasts. Thank you again to Sports Ethos. Thank you guys for listening. And I will talk to you guys next episode. Thank you. They traded James Harden. Somebody's going to be making $50 million a year. He probably could have made a little bit more money this summer in free agency. I think he could have got a lot more in the offseason. You got a chance to secure the bag. You got to secure it, man. No question.